They came from Classified, one half of the They Came From double feature Kickstarter campaign currently ongoing. They Came From Classified is a game of cinematic espionage, taking inspiration from James Bond, The Avengers, The Man From U.N.C.L.E., and any number of other spy TV shows or features. In Classified, it has an equal balance of thrills and humour. There's a bit of bawdiness, but there's also a bit of lethality. Any fan of the genre will know that whether it's Roger Moore raising an eyebrow or uttering a quip just as the villain has exploded in what should be gory fashion, or John Steed hitting someone over the back of the neck with a silver-rimmed bowler hat, there's always an air of humour, sometimes dark, sometimes silly, sometimes camp, to that 1960s, 1970s spy tradition. And that is what we are channeling here, in our game, which we call The Electric Touch. We start with a man in a shirt and tie. He's running desperately through the rain towards an office. It's dark, thunder and lightning rolling and crashing around him. He looks in quite some duress. He starts at the lightning and ducks inside. He's clearly panicked. He's running away from something or someone. Why would a grown man be so terrified of a storm? As he reaches his office, he starts barricading the door. And you can see, in fact, viewers, that this door is already reinforced. It has a metal lining. These walls look thick. But nevertheless, he desperately pushes his desk up against it. He shifts a bookcase around. He is trying to seal himself in the office to stave off the lightning. He picks up a phone. Hello? Hello? Get get me Gustav Wollström with the agency. Yes, yes, it's urgent. I'm under a... The man flashes in brilliant light, revealing the outline of his skeleton, and then little more than a pair of shoes and smouldering remains. This is the electric touch. We cut forward to the morning after. The crime scene. The agency has any number of contacts and personnel who will report to action and duty as the case demands. Sometimes they do it out of a sense of loyalty to queen and country or the preservation of world peace. Others are just interested in the thrill of adventure or the next great case that needs solving. Sometimes there's exciting new technology in the offing, or maybe something a little more darker, enigmatic. And so our three agents, Gustav, Ramona, and Miles, are now at the offices of Central Electric, examining the charred remains of one Dr. Angus McMorrow a former weapons scientist who retired and got into business with the energy industry. Perhaps our players would like to introduce their characters, who they are and why they are here. Let's start with Gustav. I'm Gustav Wallström, originally from Sweden, but uh, now in the service of Her Majesty. Tall, uh, blonde and handsome with... uh, Blue eyes, wearing a tweed jacket and smoking a pipe. I'm here because, well, this call, it was placed for me. Is it something that I've 
found out about, perhaps? Yes, indeed. You were one of the first people contacted. They were You were asked by members of the agency, how did you know McMorrow? And the fact is, you only barely knew him. In one of your societal events, where you've been trying to embed yourself in the British society that you love so dearly, despite being an emigre from Sweden, you once came across Dr. McMorrow at a function. Nothing particularly memorable, though you recall that he was talking about how, at one point, he was involved with the agency, working for them in tech, and he seemed to be reminiscing, a little nostalgic, about that exciting time in his life before now. When he realised that you worked for the agency, he quickly clammed up and walked on to someone else. That is your only interaction with the good, now-departed Doctor. Hmm. Indeed. Yes, I, I did meet him, but uh, it did seem a little bit strange that he clammed up like that. But then again, uh, I met a lot of people there, and sad to see what's happened to him, though. I definitely would like to find out uh, what is behind it, if it is some kind of accident, but it certainly doesn't seem to be just that. There must be more here, I say, as I, I uh, puff on my pipe. And how about Ramona? What about her? I am Ramona Wright. A brilliant inventor recruited by the agency for my extremely insightful research into many areas of theoretical physics, but also practical technology. I have been serving the agency for some time, being successful on many missions. Unfortunately, one of the last ones did cause me to be paralysed from the waist down, but this is not impeded my research and my desire to continue to be one of the world's most renowned inventors. However, sometimes we live in a world where some individuals are rather unscrupulous with their scientific genius, and that does need to be investigated, so my agency work is always tempered with the desire to make sure that science is for the betterment of all people, and not just the megalomaniacal geniuses of this world. But yes, I enter with my electric wheelchair, of course. Probably an extremely state-of-the-art wheelchair for this time. Well, you may well have invented it, Ramona. Oh, I certainly have added a few little extras that maybe aren't fully safe for general public just yet, but one day, one day, I'm sure. I enter the room, currently dressed in a very stylish purple-blue suit jacket attire. My hair, of course, blonde, trimmed and well-kept in a very modern fashion. Glasses, which I do not need, but they are, of course, again, very fashionable. So, of course, I have beautiful black-rimmed sunglasses that I poke down my nose ever so slightly as I look over the scene and look to Gustave and say, You know, darling, smoking in a crime scene sometimes can be a little bit uh, detrimental to evidence-gathering. Just a comment. Just a comment. Oh, you don't say. I, I, I start packing the, the pipe away. Oh, of, of course. Uh, uh, apologies. I smile quite happily. This is merely me playing with Gustav. I'm not that angry at him, really. Not yet, anyway. 
And then we have Miles Hardaway. Who is Miles and why is Miles here? Who is Miles? Surely nobody has to ask, who is Miles? Miles Hardaway is famous the world over. Tall, dark, devastatingly handsome. One of the most famous spies in the world, but only on the silver screen. This is, however, his first real crime scene rather than a film set. And as he strolls through the door, late, he didn't receive the call sheet, peering over his dark glasses, he smiles at his two teammates. Ah, I see the love interests already on set. Oh, Mr. Hardaway, you truly are a cad. A cad, I say! And I smile. But a dashing one. Undoubtedly. The scene before you is... Well, a mess is a good way to describe it, but largely concentrated to the chair behind the desk. The remains of McMorrow are not identifiable, but the individual that discovered them is certain that McMorrow it be. Just from the shoes. The shoes are barely all that remains, and the frames of the glasses that uh, remain affixed to some of the thicker clumps of ash. What's most curious is the lack of devastation on the walls, the carpets, uh, the, the wooden desk, in fact. This is a concentrated blaze, like someone who spontaneously combusted or was struck by lightning, and their body became supercharged. Whatever killed McMorrow, well... You've not seen the like before. Tell me how you are poking around the office. What you might be looking for. I am uh, looking around for some signs of uh, some kind of weapon or something like that having been used. I mean, it looks like he's been hit by lightning, but there's a roof over our heads, right? And there's no way that it could have gotten in. Any weapons or any machines? Anything that could have uh, emitted a, yes, a, a lightning bolt, <laughs> essentially? As ludicrous as it sounds, you find yourself examining some of the cabinets around the exterior of the room. In many offices, especially of former military men, you might find a design of a sailing ship or an antique pistol or something like that. In this case, the wares on display are slightly more experimental. There's a rifle in one of these cabinets. It doesn't appear to have been fired. There's no signs of tampering with the glass or the case, but you've never seen a rifle quite like it. It's almost chrome in its design, and cables are tied tightly around and down the length of the barrel. There's what appears to be some kind of battery pack in the grip, it's a most unusual weapon. You've never seen anything quite like it. I point to it and I say, um, I say, that is a strange-looking weapon, isn't it? Is this something that the good doctor might have uh, invented? I mean, it, it's not something that you would get off the shelves at your local military dealer, is it? I dare say you're quite right. Mr. Wallstrom, quite right indeed. Would you be a dear and hand it over? I'd like to have a closer look. Is it uh, inside of a, a case and, and uh, impossible to get out? Or is it, would I be able to take it and, and give it to uh, Ramona? 
You can you you possess enough skill to crack the cabinet open without damaging the entire structure. Not that it matters too much now. The owner of the cabinet isn't going to be complaining if you shatter the glass. Hmm. I do that. I doubt that this is what has been utilized. I mean, it is clearly back in the cabinet, but perhaps something like it could could it be that? Well, this is an early prototype, maybe. Possibly. Also, perhaps it has something to do with the motive. After all, maybe the good doctor was working on something brilliant and someone decided that that brilliance was not brilliant. Would you perhaps agree, Mr. Hardaway? Hmm? Miles has been gazing out of the window. Uh, It's possible that he was just staring at his own reflection. Or he might have been looking for any kind of line of sight into the room through which a weapon could have been aimed um um yes absolutely i i entirely agree with your conclusion i do enjoy people who agree with me mr hardaway come now mr wallstrom do hand it over i'd like to get a good look and i will remove my sunglasses putting them in my little coat pocket of my jacket and attempt to assess what on earth this bizarre device even is well funnily enough your initial assessment is bang on the money And it's not so much that you need to deduce it. There is a small plaque on the side of the rifle uh, that shows that it's for demonstration purposes only. It's deactivated. And it names it the prototype of the Alpha Lightning Rifle. Designed by M.A. And it looks like uh, there was another letter on there that's been scratched out or rubbed away. It's clearly not been engraved terribly well. Fascinating. This would appear to be some sort of prototype electrical weapon. I suppose in many ways that makes a lot of sense. You can use electricity to power a great deal of things. Why not a weapon? Saves on bullets, no. But how strange, if this was the... If an individual wanted to stop him doing this research, well, they've not destroyed this prototype. Maybe there's a better model of this somewhere out there. One thing's for sure, I do believe the good doctor received a very shocking development. He certainly did. Most certainly. Imagine that, being killed by... Well, something you yourself have designed or been part of designing. Is that what what we can read here? Is is it a creation of his? Hmm. Well, here, have a look at these initials on this engraving. And I will show him the M.A. engraving. M.A., would that make sense? McMurrow? Well, the M may well stand for McMurrow. They don't know who the A is would be, and there is a third initial there, or was, but it appears to have been pretty roughly chipped away. As you're thinking it over, Hardaway, you're standing at the window, staring out into the middle distance, trying to, as you say, work out whether there may be a vantage point from which someone fired in, and as you look in to the woods surrounding this laboratory office, you find that you actually need to look a little closer. 
your eyes start scanning the window itself, there is a small melted hole. It's only about a fingertip thick. And it's as if an incredible heat has been fired through the window without breaking the structural integrity of the pane. It's just melted a hole clean through and turning your head. Well, it's pretty much where you would be aiming if you were firing a prop gun in a movie at a man sat at a desk. By Jove, we've got it. Uh, lady and gentlemen, and Miles taps very lightly on the window. I immediately look towards where you are pointing. Huh. My goodness, Mr. Hardaway, or is it say you are a man of many talents? You haven't seen the half of it yet, my darling. Still, this draws you no closer to who it may have been. No, it does not. Uh, the information you were provided when you arrived at the scene, there is a police patrol outside just to secure the crime scene. They have been instructed by the agency that they are not to go within and interfere with evidence or anything like that. Quite the contrary. That's been left to the three of you, the experts in this case. But the information you were given was that McMorrow's body was discovered this morning by his secretary, a young woman by the name of Graceful Quim. She turned up for work, as secretaries do, early in the morning to get the office in order, did graceful, and she arrived to find the office door locked. So, she used the master key and deactivated the security. The door slid across, opening up to McMorrow's office as you see it now. She called in the police using the reception telephone, but was nowhere to be found when the police arrived. Hmm. Whatever happened to that secretary? I say to the group. Perhaps she might know something. I would be inclined to agree with you, Mr. Wallstrom. The question is, how do we find the dear girl? Hmm? Oh, I'll track down the elusive Miss Quim. I love a good chase. That's the first quip! That is a quip, indeed. Just note it down, because it means when you next make a roll, and in fact, I will let you make this roll now, and you can add a die to it. Make an Enigmas plus Intellect roll, please, Miles Hardaway. No, it started strong, but he's now sadly thoroughly distracted by his own reflection in the window. That is no successes. Well, so you muse aloud. Where could Miss Quim be? But... As you say, you then get distracted by something else. Your chiselled expression staring back at you from the wet window pane. Oh, you will have to search for her then, I I suppose, huh? What about the, the police outside? Perhaps they have found something. I mean, it was obviously fired from, from outside, so um, there might just be something there. As you exit the office, you pass through reception and Graceful Quim's desk. You leave via the front door where a couple of police officers, one is sat on the bonnet of his car, another one is leaning against one of the pillars outside the lab. They stand up upon seeing you. Oh, um, uh, Mr. Wallstrom, sir. Uh, 
Did you find anything interesting? I have quite a few interesting things in there, yes. Um, seems like good doctor uh, met uh, his end in a very, um, well, uh, charring fashion. Oh, I'd say so, sir. Based on uh, what we were told, and not that we've uh, had much of a look, mind you, uh, it sounded like someone was having a barbecue in there, if you don't mind my saying so. If it, oh, uh, all respect to the dead and, and all. Um, of course, yes, yeah. Um, grisly uh, fate, to be sure. And I look to the others. I raise an eyebrow slightly, and I just say, you gentlemen don't mind, like to take a little look around the outside of the building. We have made sure that all areas have been searched, yes? All cupboards and outdoor sheds, that sort of thing. Yes, Mr. Officer? Oh, we've left the place as intact as it was found, uh, ma'am. You see, we we were given strict instructions by your employers at the the ministry, uh, the agency... Uh, to to not interfere with the investigation until you were done with it. So if you have found something, that is as it is. Uh, we haven't opened any cupboards. Uh, we haven't uh, touched any door handles. Uh, we haven't sifted through the remains. Uh, nothing like that. I see. And the secretary. I look around the building. Would they get here by... A bus? Would they walk here? Or would they have their own vehicle they would drive and park somewhere? Well, we're a little outside the city here, ma'am, and I imagine just like you came here by car, she probably did also, though her car isn't on the premises anymore, if you don't mind my saying so, ma'am. Though Dr. McMorrow's is still parked, and haphazardly at that, I would uh, hazard to say. I had been thinking that perhaps the dear secretary might still be here, possibly deceased. But you have actually made a very astute observation, officer. If she had driven here and the car is no longer here, then that does mean she has driven away, potentially at least. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, well, thank you very much for saying so, ma'am. I very much appreciate it. Hazardly, you say, the, the, the car, the way that it's parked, it's, uh... He came here in a hurry, or is that how it looks? Well, that's what I would say so, sir, and I'm uh, something of a traffic policeman by trade, and, uh, well, uh, it's, as my wife would call it, less parked, more abandoned, you know, it's uh, not exactly perpendicular to the lines in the car park, as it were. Hmm. Well, Mr. Hardway, perhaps you'd like to assist me in looking over the vehicle. Happy to assist you in any way I can, Dr. Wright. Oh, you charmer, you. Come along, focus on the job. Not to distract from the moment, thought somebody to uh, have, a, have a rummage through the secretary's desk? That also would be a good idea. Perhaps, Mr. Wallstrom, you could take care of that after you've finished talking to this wonderful officer of the law. Uh, Binks, sir. Uh, officer Binks. Binks. I had a cat once called Binks. Oh, lovely, ma'am. He smiles at you, his teeth clenched. I will, at this point, make my way to the vehicle. Very good. So you and Hardaway are investigating the car of the deceased Doc McMorrow. I would like different roles from each of you. 
In the case of Hardaway, could I get a cunning and pilot roll? In the case of Wright, could I ask for an intellect plus technology roll? So let's cover Hardaway first. Did you get any eights or above? Uh, I got three. I may not know much, but I do know cars. Does a ten do anything, or does it just sit there being a ten? A ten doubles in this case. In that case, that's an additional success. Wonderful. Hardaway, your assessment of the car is thus. Not only was it driven here at speed, you can tell that from the the, the tyre tracks in the car park, you can also tell something quite fascinating about this vehicle. It has been modified in a way that, much like that rifle and your companion's bewilderment examining that, you've never quite seen before. It's something that you might consider supercharging, but as you look under the bonnet just to see the state of the engine, there's all kinds of mechanical and... You think that's even a generator form of apparatus in here? It's all electrics. There's nothing to indicate that there's an intake for petrol or diesel or any other kind of energy source. It appears to be uh, some kind of electrical combustion engine. And you don't know what effect it would have on the car, other than perhaps to provide additional speed. Goodness me, she's a goer. Dr. Wright, she's all electric. All electric. How peculiar. And I, then, with two tens, achieve one, two, three, four, five, six, seven successes. Heavens. Well, in that case, there's no mystery to you as to why the good doctor was fleeing at speed. You can determine, by looking at the state of the car, that while the rear end of it is actually quite difficult to determine what is intentional damage and what is not, uh, because, again... It's been modified, streamlined in some ways. Uh, There's been holes that have been cut through it and dents that have rather roughly been knocked into it. You can, however, see more of those singe marks and pierced holes, much like in the window, where something has melted straight through the metal. Uh, It's similar to a bullet hole, except there is no bullet Uh, There is no ammunition to imply that someone was firing at this thing. It just seems that someone has disintegrated parts of the rear of this vehicle. Look here, Mr. Hardaway. Once again, the very unusual... I hesitate to call them bullet holes, but much like the one you recognized at the door. This vehicle was under attack. He clearly... well... I can only extrapolate. He was, perhaps, fleeing from a pursuer. A pursuer who wished to harm him. But again, as you've observed, a car powered by electricity. Fascinating. Can you imagine the effect this would have on the world? I imagine many invested heavily in oil or diesel would be horrified at the idea of vehicles that could be powered simply by 
the almost free power, almost, of electricity. Fascinating, don't you agree? And I bet she goes incredibly fast. My goodness, Mr. Hardaway, she could go extremely fast. Hardaway, you find yourself caressing the side of this car in a way almost indecent, but it doesn't stop you from wanting to get behind the wheel and giving it a spin. The key is, in fact, still in the ignition. As you contemplate whether you're going to do that very thing, Gustav, are you doing as suggested and examining the secretary's desk? I am indeed doing that, yes. I am looking for any kind of clues as to, well, why she has left. I mean, is is there anything that would, would indicate that she was being threatened or anything that might lead us closer to the perpetrator of this horrific act? Well, I'm going to expand your search somewhat to the various records and so forth that are left around this laboratory. And yes, you start at the secretary's desk, and there's nothing terribly out of sorts here other than the meetings ledger. As with many a receptionist or secretary, there is a Rolodex of contacts, but there is also a ledger for meetings for the day. And it isn't to your great surprise that yesterday's meetings have been torn clean from the book. As you search elsewhere, you do find records regarding McMorrow's employment at the agency, although of course much of it is classified, uh, redacted, penned through. You can't see the details of what he worked on, other than he apparently chose to retire. And it doesn't appear that he left on bad terms, but from the last record you can see while your companions are examining the vehicle and speaking to police officers outside, you you think that, based on what some of these letters say, McMorrow's technology was mothballed reduced to the agency's archives, perhaps because no one else could handle it, or no one else understood it. Hmm, this is very interesting. I think to myself, I'll have to show this to the others. Is there anything else I can find, any other indications about, well, what the secretary may have been up to, or um, any contacts she may have had with with uh, people who might have wanted the good doctor, well, something bad. You find nothing to imply that, though as you are searching through documents, leafing through them would be more accurate than examining them closely. After all, uh, a young woman may be in danger. You do find the company logbook of employees and their addresses and telephone numbers. And Graceful Quim is in there, as is uh, Dr. McMorrow. So, you at least know where she lives. I'll note down her address, as well as the address of the doctor, just in case. So we have that, and we can uh, perhaps, well, see if she's at home, or if there may be further tracks in her apartment. Okay, meanwhile, outside then, what's Miles doing is he getting behind the wheel or is he is he restraining himself the, that call of the stunt man is is very strong 
Oh, by the time the camera pans back, he's already in the driver's seat. Turning that key. Care to join me, Ramona? I think we ought to at least see what she can do. I will move myself a little away from the car, taking out a slim cigarette. After all, smoking indoors does get in the way of crime scenes, but smoking outdoors is perfectly fine and fashionable. But I will say, you'll forgive me if I am interested in seeing you drive it first before I potentially get into the (laughs) experimental vehicle. I'm sure you don't mind being watched. Are you sure? There's nothing quite like the first time. Oh, it would hardly be my first time, Mr. Hardaway. But thank you for the consideration. Very good. To your disappointment, sir, initially it feels exactly like any other car of its kind. You pull away from the car park, it doesn't show the signs of damage that were clearly being aimed at it, therefore one can assume it never penetrated a gas tank or engine block or anything like that. And so you find yourself driving down the road, a long country road away from the lab, just seeing what speed you can get up to, and it's 0 to 60 isn't particularly impressive. But then, maybe you notice something. Could you make a... another... let's go for... let's go for another cunning and pilot roll. Uh, that's three. Three successes. In that case, you definitely notice something. It was when you turned the key earlier, you felt some resistance after you turned it, but the key then locked in place, and it felt like you could twist it a little further, and your hand is called to that now. Well, let's just uh, go a little further. As you twist the key, there is a loud crack that you hear deafeningly. In your ears, and it's as if the car illuminates brightly in a flash of white light as all of a sudden you are struggling to control the vehicle. You are tearing down the road, you are looking at the speedometer, it has gone past 120. You are no longer being tracked, and Ramona, from your place in the car park, although the road goes up and down hills and you are occasionally catching sight of the vehicle, all of a sudden. It's a flash of light, and you're not seeing it anymore. Miles, you rolled enough successes. You're a good enough driver to maintain control of the vehicle and slow down as you reach an intersection. You also know the roads in these parts. You filmed a couple of movies around here, in fact. Pinewood Studios. But, yeah, uh, the cooldown is a little like a little like jumping into the snow after extracting yourself from the sauna. Wow, that is refreshing. It tingles all over your body. You can see the hairs on the back of your arms standing up, whether it's from excitement or whether it's from the ambient ozone that seems to fill the air surrounding the car. You're sure you've seen a movie where there's a car that does something like this that you don't think you've uh, shot backwards or forwards in time. It's just enormously fast and utterly uncontrollable outside of an incredibly talented driver. Just as well, it has an incredibly talented driver. Uh, While I'm in here, 
considering that it's clearly been heavily customized, is there any... Okay, I'm going to level with you. I'm looking for the M-A-W insignia or initial on any of the kind of on the dashboard or any of the bits and pieces I can see, see if I can figure out who that third initial is. Hmm, very good. You do examine the dashboard, you look for any logos, anything you might recognise on any of the experimental tech here, and very smart indeed, you do find something. It spells M-A-D. MAD. All in capitals. Excellent. Flushed with both excitement and discovery, I will return to the car park and my companions. Mm, I move myself over to the vehicle. Taking a puff of my cigarette, I am clearly impressed with this amazing display of driving. Mad! Mad, Ramona! It's mad! Oh dear, Mr. Hardaway, have you been driven mad by such an experience, or are you speaking of something else? Mad! It's it's mad. M-A-D. You see? Mad. I peer over. I see this as well. My goodness, Mr. Hardaway, you have indeed made a most exciting discovery. Electrifying, you could say. Very good, Doctor. Very good. I do try. Interesting. This vehicle, clearly a prototype, clearly invented partially by our Mr. M, but then who are A and D? Fascinating, fascinating. Well, we have two leads. We need to lay our hands on Quim and the D. Indeed. We must find both the A and the D. Perhaps Mr. Wallstrom can assist us. Oh, so I do believe this beautiful vehicle is going to need to be taken in for its own safety, of course. And I will press a little button in my electrical wheelchair that, of course, is a very state-of-the-art communications device. Almost unheard of. But it does, of course, relay right back to Agency HQ. Only in matters of great emergency, of course. Yes, this is Agency HQ. Is that Agent Wright? It is indeed, darling. We're going to need a few boys to come and pick up this very delightful car. R&D are going to have quite the exciting day. Right, you are right. We will send, as you say, a, a team of boys out to handle the handle the vehicle. And I smile, quite happy that this... Marvel of science is going to be going into the right hands. I'm sure the good doctor wouldn't be that disappointed. He is dead, after all. Well, he did once work for the agency, as you know. And uh, whether that means he had any kind of loyalty to them after his retirement, I guess that's a matter of open debate at this point. He's not going to be weighing in with his opinion on the situation. But it does make you wonder, Ramona what they may have on him back at the agency and what you may be able to find out. You've both worked in the same department. While you never crossed paths with McMorrow yourself, you have uh, spent a little bit of time in weapons design and weapons tech, and if that's where he was before he retired and joined the rather nebulously named Central Electric, well... Maybe there's something you can find out back at HQ. 
So now I turn to the group and ask each of you where you are intending on going next. You don't have to all go to the same place. So let's start with Gustav. What's the plan, Volstrom? Uh, having found the address of the secretary, I certainly would like to visit there to see if she may have returned home. I mean, that would be the logical thing to do in a situation like this, uh, perhaps. Uh, if she wouldn't be there, perhaps there might be a lead to where she would have gone instead, uh, where she would have gone to hide. I have a feeling that she knows more about this than we will be able to find out other ways. So I will attempt to go to the uh, apartment to where she lives. Is anyone else intending on going to Graceful Quim's apartment? To be frank, I feel my intellect would be better. For the moment, back at HQ, I am very keen to not only make sure the technology arrives safely, but also, yes, I would indeed like to look into the background of the good doctor. In particular, all previous known work associates, either in the agency or out of the agency. I am starting to wonder if one of our possible culprits was one of the individuals who worked with him in the past. So I shall go there and leave all the talking to the delightful secretaries and other field work to the others for now. And how about Miles Hardaway? Oh well, the only thing Miles Hardaway knows as well as cars is women, so I will be accompanying Gustav. Very good. The two of you make your way to Camden Town, where... According to McMorrow's records, Graceful Quim keeps a flat. As you ascend the staircase of her apartment building, the closer you get to her address, the louder the noise you can hear. It's a swinging music. It's rather vague, royalty-free kind of music, but it is loud, and it is emerging from around the corners of the door with a thump and a twang, and you can hear a lot of thumping inside the room, almost like there's a fight going on. You have listened to an episode of Red Moon Roleplaying, where we played the scenario The Electric Touch, where they came from Classified, which is on Kickstarter right now from our friends at Onyx Path Publishing. We were joined by Matthew Dawkins and Kat Evans for this series. The music was made by Atrium Carceri, featuring a number of collaborations with other artists, and was used with permission from their label, Cryochamber. Check out their website at cryochamber.bandcamp.com or their YouTube channel for some moody dark ambient. We would like to give massive thanks to our champions of the Red Moon, Martin Hoyshobert, Nastasha Rollerson, Simon Cooper, David, Julia, Camilla, Ludwig Manford, Bob Lange, Julian, Cameron, Ryan F., Xavier, and Daniel for their generous support. And we'd of course also like to thank all of our other patrons. Without your support, the show would not be possible. If you want to support our work, please check us out on Patreon. You can get access to bonus campaigns for Cult of Any Lost and Coriolis there, as well as get early and raw access to all of our recordings. You can also hear your name read on the show as a champion of the Red Moon, as well as play Cult with us. Most importantly, that support is what keeps the show going, so do check us out there. Thank you again for listening, and remember to take your martinis shaken, not stirred.